Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, everybody. It is Sunday. That means it must be Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, back with you. Brenda Alacy, where she left off on Sunday. Brenda, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Back uh, with the B team in the chair. So uh, nice to have everybody on board with us. And uh, welcome back, Joe. Good to have you back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Lots to talk about. You know, we keep saying this, Brenda, there's never a dull week in politics anymore. Absolutely. You can never start this show at 10.07 on Sunday and say, you know, guys, there wasn't much politics going on. Let's talk about the Sabres. <laughs> well, that might be depressing. Uh, but it's very true because it's just the opposite, really, because there's so much to talk about that it's tough to put it into two hours. I mean, we could talk for at least uh, a couple of different day parts here at WBEN. But we are on until high noon today, as we are every Sunday, talking about everything from uh, the coronavirus and the impact on the stock market. Love the uh, opening bump there, Joe. Very apropos. And uh, so much else going on, too. We're going to talk to Catherine Christofferson, the CEO of the McCollum Christofferson Group, in just a moment. And also, we'll talk a little later in the show, in the 11 o'clock hour, with the Center for Public Inquiries, Dave Leventhal, Western New Yorker himself. Go ahead, Joe. And I I did some prep uh, during Randy's show, and I discovered this candidate and his son, who are running for not only president, but Congress in multiple states. So I have a few questions for Dave after we cover the basics uh, on this certain gentleman. So if that's a tease, uh, stay around for the 11 o'clock hour. Absolutely. I can't wait to hear about that. So much going on, too. Tom Steyer has pulled out. How will I sleep tonight, Joe? Tom Steyer no longer in the race. What a strategy. Your best performance is when you pull out of the race. Uh, That's what I was thinking, too. And he was... uh, Sending out that hip-hop video where he was dancing. With and Juvenile, was... one of my uh, yes. favorite uh, rap artists growing up, Juvenile. You may know him from the song, and I'll say the edited version, Back That Thing Up. Uh, and Tom Steyer was dancing to it the day before the primary. So one less billionaire in the race. No more of the red plaid tie that uh, Tom Steyer wore to all of his debate performances and everything else. It was his trademark. Have you ever seen $22.5 million wasted more than by Tom Steyer. <laughs> yes, yeah, Michael Bloomberg. 
Um, also, Chris Collins is looking to get his sentencing uh, delayed. His uh, trip to prison is coming up later this month. And uh, the Buffalo Diocese declares bankruptcy. So, so much going on, and we're just scratching the surface. But it's a pleasure to welcome, for the first time on Hardline, Catherine Christofferson. Catherine is the CEO of the McCollum Christofferson Group, based right here in Amherst. In fact, they're in the same building we are at 500 Corporate Parkway. Good morning, Catherine. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Brenda and Joe. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on board, and certainly it's been quite a roller coaster ride lately with the stock market. Catherine, in all the years you've been a financial advisor, have you ever seen anything quite this volatile? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, that is the price we pay for investing in the stock market. And I think what's important for us all to to, uh, focus on right now is that corrections, which is what we're having right now, are really rather common. And um, just a quick statistic, since um, 1950, the S&P has undergone 37 corrections. And a correction is is, uh, defined as a market decline of 10% or more. So we've been in the longest bull market in history, and now we're having a correction. So this isn't a big surprise or anything. It's it's a natural thing that uh, bull markets will come to a pause or to an end. I think this is going to be temporary. Um, this particular correction has been probably most fueled by the coronavirus and people's fears about what this means uh, for this country and for the world. And not only what does it mean in terms of people who may succumb to the disease, but also how does this affect businesses that, for example, do business with China um, and who are dependent upon China, as is Apple, for either um, assembly or for parts for their uh, different companies. So I think we have to most importantly put this in perspective. Well, so in this case, Catherine, it is highly unusual that this uh, coronavirus has such a worldwide effect. I don't know if it's fair to call it a pandemic, but other than China, uh, what other kind of impact do you see? I mean, China, I suppose, is the most obvious uh, country that we think about. And perhaps if you're worried about, you know, certainly uh, receiving products from there or traveling in the Far East, I think that's a realistic fear. However, do you see sort of a domino effect in other countries, you know, Europe where Italy's been hit hard and other countries around the world, not just China? Well, not necessarily, because, again, um, we've had these kinds of pandemics uh, in the past. We had SARS, we've had the bird flu, we had MERS, we had Ebola, and um, disease-related corrections typically last Um, a matter of months, and very often you'll see the market decline 6 to 12 percent. Right now, we have a global effort to come up with a vaccine for coronavirus, and I do think we're going to be successful. Now, will the United States develop it? Maybe, maybe not. We have a pretty stringent FDA procedure, so um, new drugs to the market tend to take a longer time, but um, really all around the world, there is a um, uh, 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 effort to find a vaccine to combat this. And 
so far, um, we've only had one death here in this country. Um, it hasn't spread completely worldwide, but I think there's concern that there are um, some cases that have come up that there doesn't appear to be a clear connection between the person who uh, gets the virus and any travel to the uh, to China or to the um, Asian uh, countries. So, so that's the fear, and it's okay to to have fear. I mean, we wouldn't be human if we weren't um, concerned or fearful when we hear about things like this. But it's not okay to panic, and that's what I'm. Sorry to say that a lot of the financial news media is really trying to do right now is scare people enough that they make drastic moves in their investment programs that are ultimately going to hurt them. Um, And that's what I think if I had a message to deliver today, that would be the message is we really have to pull ourselves away from um, making a panicked or knee jerk uh, reaction to what is eventually going to go away. Now, who knows how how serious this ultimately could be or how long it will last, but I have to give credit to modern medical science and the fact that we're able to come up with vaccines um, at a much faster rate than we have in the past. Catherine, looking at the stocks on Friday, uh, it seemed like now they were still down, but they kind of started recovering in the middle of session. And this weekend, yesterday, we heard members of the president's staff talk about uh, what the reality of coronavirus is. For most of us, if we were to get it, and that chance is very low, it's a lot like a severe cold or the flu. With that information now out there, do you see a recovery starting on Monday, or is that a little too early? I think it's a little too early um, because I think we have these um, moments or pauses of, of people getting positive, and then the media will kick in and, and another shoe will drop, so to speak. Um, I don't think we're done with the volatility yet, and I don't think it's a great surprise that this is happening in an election year. Um, so the market can be manipulated on a short-term basis, and I can point to any number of things um, that would uh, kind of prove that. I don't know if, if you remember, there was a, a flash crash back in, I think it was 19, was it 1980, May of 1980, um, where the market dropped a, a thousand points, and at that time the Dow wasn't close to thirty thousand. It was uh, a thousand point drop was just horrific, and it turned out to be a trader in Great Britain who literally put through millions of dollars of trades in just a very very short period of time, and the the flash crash lasted for thirty six minutes. So it, the market can be manipulated and. <laughs> In this world of hedge funds and program trading, um, we can see um, drastic moves both up and down. But the good news is the market can't be manipulated indefinitely because sooner or later, earnings kick in, and that's what drives the market. And up until now, we've seen companies reporting um, higher earnings. Uh, We're seeing strength in the economy, of course, low uh, unemployment, all of these things are positive uh, for the market and the companies that represent the market. Uh, many companies in um, in our country pay dividends, and um, many of them, the 
bigger companies not only pay dividends, but they increase them every year. So um, to experience a short-term decline in the market is normal. It's part of what we get for the returns that we get in the stock market. But we have to understand that the market has never gone down and stayed down. It has always returned to new highs, and that's what we expect now. But I can't predict you know, how long this is going to last, how deep it will go. But I do believe um, that it is going to be over in a matter of months. And this isn't going to be a prolonged bear market, as some would say. All right. You might have just answered my question, and it might sound like an obvious question. uh, But if it wasn't for the coronavirus, would we still see the market breaking records last week and beyond? Well, breaking records on the downside, you mean? No, I mean on the positives. I mean, two weeks ago, we saw another high for the Dow. Would we have still seen those numbers if it wasn't for this panic uh, over the coronavirus? Well, that's hard to say because there's any number of things that can cause uh, fear and panic. It can be um, not just disease-related, of course, but, um, you know, we've had 9-11, we've had wars, we've had... Um, uh, natural disasters, all of those things can have the impact of breaking what is a roaring market. And we did have a roaring market last year, as you will recall. So just the um, 10 to 12 percent correction that we've had hasn't come near wiping out the gains that we had last year. So to answer your question a little bit more specifically, Joe, um, any number of things can start the ball rolling. It can be something very small or very big, but I think the market was ready for a pause. We were really um, almost in an overheated uh, situation where euphoria was kicking in and people were thinking that the market was never going to go down. So um, it happened to be this coronavirus, but it could have been other things as well. We're talking with Catherine Christofferson. She is the CEO of the McCollum Christofferson Group based here in Amherst. And Catherine, um, curious to know what sort of phone calls you might be getting from your your clients, are they worried about their 401k turning into a 201k? <laughs> well, that's a good way to put it, Gert. Um, interestingly enough, um, and I, I, I say this honestly, we aren't getting a lot of calls in our office. And the reason we're not is many of our clients have been with us uh, for many, many years, some decades. And in some cases, we're managing the money of, of second, third, and even fourth generations clients um, who did business with the original firm. Um, so, no, we're not getting a lot of uh, calls. And the reason for that is we have been telling our clients all along that the, the corrections are eventually going to come. And the way that we prepare for them is to prepare for them in the good times. So we have criteria that we use in selecting investments for our, our clients. We insist on companies that have strong financials, good management, and are making a product or service that's generally going to be in demand. So when we go through these inevitable downturns, and they are inevitable, we just tell our clients, this is one of those corrections. We're going to fasten our seatbelts. We're going to get through it, and we're not going to panic. But for those folks that have 401ks, um, very often you're managing your own money. You're, um, you, um, you're not getting much help in how you select your investments. 
So for those folks, I would say a lot of people that have 401ks are now what are in uh, what are called uh, age-based retirement products. And if you don't select specific investments, you automatically go into one of those. And generally and very quickly, what that means is you pick a date where you think you're going to retire. So that could be 2060, 2050, 20, whatever. And the program automatically um, starts you off fairly aggressive because you're, you know, far away from retirement. And as you get closer to retirement, the program automatically makes you more and more conservative. So you start out with a heavy percentage in stocks, and as you get closer and closer to that target retirement year, you have more and more bonds. If that's what you have in your 401k, don't touch it. That is exactly what it's designed to do, is to go through the ups and downs but get you to retirement. Now, if you are um, managing your own money and you've selected various mutual funds, this is not the time to make a change. The market is going to come back, and when it comes back and it gets to the point that it was before, almost 30000 on the Dow, when it gets to that point, then you have to ask yourself, can I go through another one of these because I'm going to? And so if you are absolutely miserable, ready to jump off a bridge, um, that's the time to make the change, but not now. The only thing you can do now is, like I said, fasten your seatbelt, hang on, because we're going to have to go through this. Uh, it's definitely patience is a virtue, it sounds like. Catherine, uh, yesterday the president spoke again about the coronavirus. He had uh, uh, several people standing with him and uh, who addressed the media as well uh, from the health department. And I think the president was looking to calm the fears, similar to what you're talking about, where you sort of take a breath and uh, let uh, let this sort of take its course. But he did urge the Fed to cut interest rates. Do you think that will happen? Um, I, I Really, the Fed should not be um, in the business of trying to uh, manipulate or control the economy. Um, generally speaking, when the Fed cuts interest rates, it, it stimulates the economy from the standpoint of it's less expensive for people to borrow. So people thinking about, you know, buying a new car or buying a house or uh, manufacturers thinking about buying equipment or making acquisitions, um, it makes it wiser for them to do that. Um, I I think uh, President Trump, his heart is in the right place, but I think the Federal Reserve Board has to act independently. Certainly, Any uh, president can make recommendations, but ultimately the decision has to be up to the board. And we rely on the Federal Reserve Board to take into account many more things than the current uh, coronavirus uh, epidemic or or whatever you want to call it. Uh, So, you know, it it was a recommendation with his heart in the right place, but I don't know that the Fed is going to act on that. Yesterday, it was revealed that uh, a patient passed away in the state of Washington. First, they said it was a woman. Then they said it was a man who actually died. And uh, there's a lot of talk about travel being cut back, uh, whether it's certainly to the Far East, Europe, or even in the U.S. In fact, I, I have plans to go to Europe at the end of the month, but I'm starting to wonder whether that's a good idea. Do you think that the the service industry, Catherine, you know, people who work in the travel industry, will be affected uh, mostly by this uh, this 
this trend of people cutting back or changing vacation plans to go to Europe and perhaps further? I think that definitely is going to be the case, Brenda. Um, And that industry group is probably going to be the most directly impacted uh, by the the emotion and the fear that is going on with this uh, coronavirus. Um, The problem with, uh, and, and by the way, those stocks are really getting hit. Um, you know, the hotel stocks, the airline stocks, all of those that uh, have to do with travel are, are getting pummeled right now. And the problem with that is very often if you um, uh, don't take a trip, like, for example, your trip to Europe, if you decide, well, we're not going to do that right now, I think we're going to wait until next year when things maybe are, you know, have blown over, um, you're not going to take two trips. You will have canceled one. And, and you'll postpone it, but you're not necessarily going to double up. So that's probably an industry group that is really going to be impacted. But I do believe it's going to be um, relatively short, short term. I do think a vaccine is going to be developed, and I do think we're going to start to see eventually, well, it's inevitable, eventually that the uh, disease is going to go away. It's not going to, the whole world isn't going to die. So um, so then people will start to relax, and maybe even later this year, uh, they maybe, maybe will postpone a trip until later this year when they perceive things as being more stable, and oh yes, we can go, it's not as serious as we thought before. So yeah, there are going to be some industry groups like the travel industry group that are, that are definitely going to be impacted. I'm thinking I want to spend some money in the stock market, Catherine, with these masks. What do you think? Is that a good investment? <laughs> There's supposed to be a whole new slew of masks being produced. <laughs> well, as with most things, um, the train's already left. The- <laughs> oh, always a day late and a dollar short, right? Well, it's, it's just that this has already been pumped up and, uh, so it's 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 a little late in the game to jump in on that, but this is an excellent time to put money into the market. And don't think that you're going to pick the day where the market bottoms out. You won't. But just having experienced about a 10 to 12 percent decline, if you go into, for example, I, I was talking about 401ks. Every 401k plan has got a uh, an option to buy an S&P 500 index fund. It's probably the best way to get exposure to the stock market. It's very inexpensive. There's almost no management fees. And you're getting a swath of some of the best com- companies in this country. So this is definitely a time to um, invest if you have money um, outside of the market, earning practically nothing in a savings account, and you have sufficient cash reserves for anything personal that may go on in your life, then yes, this is definitely the time. But I wouldn't try to speculate about, oh, there's this biotech company that's developing the the vaccine for the coronavirus, and they're on the leading edge, and they're getting fast-tracked, and let's put some money into that. That's, that's gambling. That's a speculation. And even with the masks, um, because there are different kinds of masks, some of which really aren't very effective at all. So you'd have to have done a lot of research to, ter- to determine if this company is making the right mask for this particular application before you jumped in. But the fact is, most of the larger companies, the Johnson & Johnson's, the Merck's, the Pfizer's, they're already in that. 
And so when you get, when you don't get as pure of a play on just masks, but even if you did, it's too much of a speculation. Go into the market where you have much more diversification as in the S&P 500 index. Very, very uh, interesting insights, Catherine. I appreciate you uh, letting us call you on a Sunday morning, offering us the insights. You've been decades in the business and certainly bring a, a perspective that helps us not to panic about what's going on now. Catherine Christofferson, CEO of the McCollum Christofferson Group, based right here in Amherst. Thanks so very much for coming on with us this morning. And Catherine is gone uh, and off on a Sunday morning, hopefully going to have a, a nice brunch and relax a little bit. Certainly made me feel better and allayed some of my fears, Joe. Yeah, you know, and uh, like she said, the, the market always recovers and we'll be looking forward to that. Right now, we're looking forward to the news. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. With Alan Harris. Welcome back to Hardline. You might wonder, where's the music? Well, I forgot to open the player, so... Well, we'll let you hum, Joe. That's why no one wants that. (laughs) But it is Hardline here on Sunday. Great interview with Catherine Christofferson. That is available, will be available after the show on demand. But if you can't wait till then, you can use the rewind feature on radio.com. But we hope you wouldn't do that. We hope you would wait till noon and then uh, listen on demand online and on the app. You know, Joe, um, I Catherine is my go-to person for matters regarding financial affairs because they're, they're pretty complex and she breaks it down in a way that's understandable to me and to lay people and also has a calming influence. She's been in the business a long time and really understands the markets and uh, mutual funds and the way things work um, on Wall Street and beyond. So I was somewhat comforted by what she had to say. Um, I didn't feel like my 401k was turning into the 201k. And so that's good to know. And there does seem to be a general sense of, yes, we'll get our arms around this and we'll figure out how to get this vaccine going. And eventually the market will rebound. It's just the way it works. If it goes down, it's going to go back up. So it was good to hear that from somebody who's been in the business and understands how this all works. For sure, for sure. Again, that'll be available on demand, as will the entire show after the show. Or you can use that rewind feature, which I love. I love the rewind feature. But we will talk more about that later. Right now, someone who knows a thing or two about the coronavirus. It is our friend, Peter in St. Catharines. Peter, good morning. Hey, Joe. Thanks a lot for you guys having me on uh, Hardline. Of course, of course. Good to have you on board, Peter. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And that was a good interview with the financial person. So, Thanks. again, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge President Trump supporter. I'm, I'm a political animal at my core, but I'm also a scientist. So I'm talking now from a scientist hat in this discussion, but I want to help 
discuss this particularly the president because this is being used as a political issue by the left and it is very very wrong and unfair because it spooked the nation and spooked the market and let me get straight to the point every human being in this world every human being will likely have coronavirus at some point in their life every human being that's a fact we will likely get it as a child it's this coronavirus is what we normally experience the difference is this strain is a little more infectious than normal but it's not more lethal than regular flu regular influenza and that's that's the key that i think the medical community has not conveyed sufficiently the president has the right experts standing behind him dr fauci etc this actually is like the common flu you might get it you might get a little stomach upset you might never know that you got this covid-19 virus and it's go- and it goes the problem with it is this the nations that are reporting deaths the settings that are reporting deaths are those that are poorer nations and poorer settings that do not have the support facilities and what we mean by that is this when somebody gets this particular virus like maybe even influenza you know it attacks normally influenza attacks the extremes of age means little infants with with undeveloped immune systems so newborns or elderly people with compromised immune systems or people who are living with hiv or some sort of compromised immune system normally you get a bad influenza attack you may succumb to it and you may also hear now and again now and again of a healthy 25 year old who got an influenza this flu season died that's just in the numbers that's the way the numbers shake out however the issue here is this you would get this and it will normally pass but the problem is in the poor nations they do not have the mechanical ventilation support and what i mean is this when you get this virus it it causes an inflammatory response at the level of the lungs it produces a lot of inflammation and mucus and depending on how severe and immunocompromised you are or weak you may have other comorbid conditions many elderly people have multiple sicknesses when they get an, an influenza attack so they already compromised and they have this extra mucus etc these are the people that you need to get into institution like a hospital and you get them on mechanical ventilation you know peter i'm glad you brought that up because there's a dr eric toner who is with john uh, john's hopkins center for health security and he mentioned that even during mild flu pandemics most of our ICUs are filled to the brim with severely ill patients on mechanical ventilation. And he, he continues on by saying, I hope and pray COVID-19 turns out to be a moderate pandemic. But if not, we're in serious trouble referring, you know, of course, referring to the name given the disease caused by the virus. Your point about the mechanical, mechanical ventilation is well taken. Well, you see, this, this is the issue and this is what the medical community and WHO have failed to, to explain properly to the global community and the left and the democrats and whomever are using this to try and damage the president when they know that we are dealing with a look this is so much more milder than the normal influenza it is just much more contagious so more people might get it but not more people will die and the issue is it's in the poorer nations especially parts of china 
that have reported a lot of deaths in those more rural areas, it's because they do not have the mechanical ventilator. So when the extra ill person who gets a severe bout gets that problem with their breathing, they don't have the facility to get them into somewhere and put them on this oxygen, this, this support for, for, for a day or however, and let the bout of this thing pass, and then they go home. So the, the issue, the good news for America, for Canada and first world countries, is that we have that kind of support so that when you do face this. Now, the, also the good news is President Trump needs to be complimented because remember, we have 350-odd million people in the United States. We have big, uh, let's say, Chinese populations in places like San Francisco, New York, etc. And it boggles the mind that with such a very infectious virus that we have such limited cases. So the decisions that he has made to close the border and restrict travel initially was very, very, very good because that has limited now what is unfolding in the United States. And yes, it may unfold more, but... Bear in mind, again, this is just highly contagious, but you may not even show symptoms. You may pass this and go to work as normal, and you may never, ever know in your life that you had this coronavirus, as well as if you do get ill, you seek the medical attention, and you may require mechanical ventilation. In the United States, there's support. God forbid that 100 million people get it, but that's not going to happen because the president took the steps. He took more steps yesterday, and that's the messaging that needs to come out. So, yes, the market is spooked and people are worried, but this is not a dev- – look, I'm telling you, the United States never had Ebola on, in, uh, in its country before until in the Obama administration they brought those people to the United States with Ebola. That should have never happened because Ebola has a much higher case fatality rate. We're still struggling to deal with it. So – to even compare it with like an Ebola or a SARS, the case fatality rate in MERS, the Middle Eastern virus, is like 38 or 40%. SARS is somewhere like 15%. The case fatality rate with this particular virus is only about 1, 1.5%. So we're not dealing with, a, with an extremely lethal situation. We're just dealing with something that's highly contagious. People should just go about their lives. You take the normal precautions, you know, right now, you may not go into a highly congregated area. You know, you may restrict your travel to certain parts of the world, etc. And you just go about your life living prudently. But to run around thinking that this is like a like like an Ebola or break in the country and the nation is not. The United States is the only nation really in this world that could deal with this effectively. And I think that right now to politicize this has been very very unfair. And this will pass, like your your um the financial lady has said. This will pass shortly and everything will be back to normal. Peter, before you hang up, what are your credentials? Are you an MD? I'm a scientist. I, I hold a doctorate in infectious diseases epidemiology. Okay, good. Well, we appreciate your comments and calls, and the phone lines are open, 803-0930. Peter, thank you so much for calling. Always good talking to you. Thank you. That is Peter in St. Catharines. Let's take a few calls now, Brenda. We'll break late. Some show notes over the air. You like that? A little behind the scenes of what's going on. We will go to Tony, who I'm not sure if he has a doctorate or not. He'll tell us. Tony, good morning. Yeah, I have a doctorate in uh, listening to Peter. So I just got an honorary decree after I listened to him. 
first of all, the death rate, Dr. Fauci from CDC says the death rate worldwide from this uh, epidemic is over 2%. The death rate for and for a flu is 0.021%. It's much, much less. Anyone thinking that the left is criticizing people uh, in, uh, uh, is out of their mind. There hasn't been, in fact, Pence this morning couldn't defend the statement that was made by, by their party that said that the left is trying to politicize this disease. That's absolute nonsense. Actually, t- uh, Tony, what he said was that the m- mortality rate of the coronavirus is 2% or likely lower. That's what I said. Okay. Said. So that it could be lower than 2%. It could be around the percent of influenza. No, no he did not say that. No, he didn't say that, but what? it could be. Listen, don't, uh, look, I, you, you love Peter because he goes your show all the time. Does, did he tell you what causes the contagious part of the virus? It's caplets. When you sneeze, when you do any of that, uh, touch a, a counter, these caplets cause the contagious disease. Did he tell you that there's a case in Illinois that just got reported this morning? Did he tell you that the President of the United States wiped out all of the people that were scientists in the White House that covered the uh, Zaras epidemic and the Ebola epidemic? No, he didn't tell you that. He criticized President Obama. President Obama helped to solve the uh, Ebola epidemic by a poor- Okay, Tony, Tony, calm down, calm down. What do you think should be done then? What? But what should be shouldn't have been done was taking away the funding to the CDC. I told you this before; you heard it. That the CDC was cut by over one point three billion dollars. Okay, and as it stands right now, March first, twenty twenty, how is that hurting us? How are we in a worse position? We hurt us because we don't have people that would be involved in helping to develop things like a virus. And these are the virus, the the uh, the injection, the, uh, the uh, that they would have a, a cure. It's going to take eighteen months to get a, a safe vaccine. Eighteen months. CDC was involved in doing this. You cut their staff. You cut all the people that were in the White House out. Trump, anything that Obama did, Trump cut out. There, there's the problem. But there's, there's no vaccine for coronavirus anywhere in the world. What did you just say? No other country has a cure for coronavirus. It's not just the states. That... There's no cure for that. There's no cure. Okay, so I, I'm still wondering if those cuts hadn't been made, where how would we be in a better position right now on March 1st? Because all the research could have channeled through the proper experts in their field at the CDC. So the research going on now is not is not good. What? The research going on now doesn't suffice, is what you're saying? I can't hear you. What did you say? I'm saying the research that's going on right now doesn't suffice because of those cuts. Yes, the research was affected. If I took away your job at the station, would that give them more support? Uh, Don't give them any ideas, Tony.
Well, look at it. They, they took you away, Joe. You're such a valuable asset. Well, thank you. Resource, which you really are. You really are. I hope you don't get the coronavirus, Joe. Well, thank you. Tony, you know what? I want to end on the on a positive comment. And you know what? We always appreciate your call as well. That's Tony in Clarence uh, giving his, would you call that a rebuttal to what I Peter and St. Catherine I think you said. could term it that, yes. All right. 803-0930. Now, here's what we'll do. We have Dave Leventhal coming up at 11. Starting at 11.30, if you want to call back, you're on hold now. We will reopen this topic, also throw in some primary questions uh, as we discuss what happened last night and what we're looking for on Tuesday. Remember, Tom Steyer out on Tuesday, Michael Bloomberg in on Tuesday. So a completely new game starting Super Tuesday. We will cover all of that and more with Dave Leventhal when we come back. It is Hardline with Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 